0: Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media, to make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we Amen. Glory be to the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever in the ages of all ages. Amen. The Lord Jesus is speaking in this gospel about what division can do and how division is not an overnight result. It doesn't just happen suddenly. And He gives us indicators to look out for. So if we just look back to the gospel reading to see what the Lord Jesus was saying, you're going to see something quite interesting. He says in it, Very important points to consider. If you look at this quote from the Psalms, the Psalm says, For you, God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. So I will sing praise to your name forever that I may daily perform my vows. So there's a reminder here that the Psalmist says, Lord, you have heard my vows. Every one of us has made vows to the Lord sometime in our life. You've made vows when you were married, when you stood at the altar. Those of you who got married, you, you, you made vows. And commandments were given to you by the church to abide by. When you baptized your children, you made vows. You were given commandments by the church to abide by. And so on. And we have often made all kinds of resolutions and promises to God. So God has heard all of them. We think that, you know... These are just ceremonies and pictures and memories or videos. But everything we said, I do, I believe, I will, I promise. Every time we've said any of these things, God has heard. He has heard every single one of these promises and these vows over the years. Not one of them is forgotten. So this has a heritage. That's why, even at a ceremony of a marriage, It's not just known as a wedding, it's called a crowning ceremony. The bride and the groom are crowned. They receive a heritage and they receive a promise of an inheritance in the kingdom of God, of those who fear God's name. The Psalmist goes on to say because of this, because of these many graces, like we're gonna say in the fraction, we thank God, we praise Him for all of these things. And as we continue to praise Him, We say, Lord, grant me to daily perform my vows. So when a vow is made, it's not just a one-shot deal, promise at that moment or that occasion, right? It's a promise to continue to do this every single day. I will continue, by God's grace, to daily perform my vows. That's why if you notice, the Lord Jesus says, if anyone wants to be my disciple... He has to do many things, among them deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me wherever I lead him, wherever I go. It's a daily request. So in the gospel reading itself, we see that many people are concerned in the world today. We see there are many problems in the world, many issues happening in the world, in the homes, in the cities, in the world, in the schools, everywhere, everywhere, all kinds of stuff. And people see this and are discouraged. People see this and say, what's going to happen? Right there, that's what's going to happen. Verse 22. Verse 22 is an example of complete chaos. Imagine a person who was demon-possessed, blind and mute. So all kinds of evil that are hovering in and within this person. And what happens to them? The Lord heals them. The Lord is able. The Lord is more than able to heal and to help this individual. So poor people wonder, could this be God? Is this God's hand? The answer is yes, of course it is. No one else but He can do these things. Now, of course, out of envy, and out of those who hate God, they find a way to attribute it to something else. Coincidence, probability, possibility, random act of nature, whatever. And they don't realize by saying this they are refusing the healer himself who is the one who is healing and protecting. They say he casts out demons by the ruler of the demons. So of course the Lord knows all thoughts and he brings us again to that point about the house divided against itself cannot stand. The kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. There is a watchful Factor to look out for for this kingdom, for this house. This house is many things, right? My soul. My soul cannot be divided in itself. I'm either with God or not. It can't be some sort of mix because I'll, as long as I'm in this mix and this gray zone, I'm not happy. I'm not satisfied. I'm not fulfilled. I have fears, I have doubts, I have concerns. It's one or the other. Sooner or later, every single one of us has to come to the decision, that determination to say, am I with him or not? So, of course, the Lord casts demons by the Holy Spirit. And that's why we are constantly, ever since Pentecost, speaking of the Holy Spirit. The church has been teaching us about how, if, you, you know, if I being evil know how to give good gifts to my children, how much more will my Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Because it's the Holy Spirit that can cast out demons and, and heal the blind and the mute. The blind who don't want to see God, who can't see God. The deaf who don't listen to His word and so on. Then he goes on to say a little parable about it. But I want to focus on verse 30 for a second. He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Again, it's that. It's one, which side are you on? It's like, the, 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 you know, I have to define the relationship. Who am I with? Am I with Him or not? Somebody says, "Well, What's the big deal if I do this or that? That doesn't mean I'm not with Him. According to God's pr- promise, God's word, yes. It's one or the other. It's one or the other. He goes on to say in verse 33, if you see it on the screen, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. It can't be both. You see, it's like the Lord saying, choose what type of house do you want? What type of home do you want? Everyone here who has rented an apartment, rented a condo, bought a house, bought a condo, renovated a house, is currently renovating a house, is always dreaming, I have this image in my mind. I have this blueprint of what kind of place I want to have. The colors, the shapes, the sizes, the material. I'm I'm planning. I'm thinking in my mind. This thinking means I am determined. To say, I have a goal, I'm going to follow it, regardless of the obstacles. So, having said that, if you look, if you notice, you probably saw the title I had on the screen earlier. It has to do with that the idea of constantly seeking improvement. Constantly seeking, I'm sure you've seen this on, on shows and stuff, this title, but this is a reality. We're constantly seeking improvement. If the church reads this passage to us, more than once a year every year that means it's got to be important that means there's constant review for example those of you who have purchased the home what have you done over the years surely you have renovated something surely you have made some improvements in it surely you have fixed things this is what this gospel is about look for the little things the little cracks The little problems that could become big problems if left unattended. So, St. Paul told us something earlier today. You've probably seen it. It He said, this is how one should regard us. As servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. We're called to be faithful. We're not called to succeed in everything we do. We'll have our ups and our downs. But the Lord calls us to be faithful we're stewards of mysteries for example when a baby comes out of the baptism water this is a mystery it's just like a baby coming out of their mother's womb it's a mystery suddenly there was nothing obvious except a swollen belly all of a sudden there's a living being in the doctor's hand how is that this is a mystery this is the mystery of life same thing happens in the waters of baptism the person comes out from death Buried with Christ into the resurrection of life. So we're stewards of that. People come in to get married. They walk in two people. They leave one person. The crowd thinks it's two people still. No. By the Holy Spirit they are now one in Christ. So we're stewards of these mysteries. We can't necessarily see them with our eyes. But this is the reality. And we're called to be faithful about these mysteries. How do we be faithful? How can we manage to be faithful with such mysteries? What do you think? I'm sure this question is on your mind somehow. How do we be faithful with these mysteries? St. John Chrysostom has written many beautiful things. One book I encourage you to read is called On Marriage and Family Life. But he says something very interesting about the disciples. He says, first I I want you to tell me this, he says. Do you know the power of love? Christ passed over all the marvelous works which were to be performed by the apostles and said, by this shall men know that ye are my disciples if you have love for one another. Saying, like, the the, the focus was not on they could cast out demons, they could heal the sick, they're handy, they could fix, they could fish, that wasn't the focus. The focus was love. He says, you really want to prove that you're my disciples? It's not because you can cast out a demon. It's not because you can heal the sick. Your proof, the proof of you being my disciple will be the love you have for those around you. This is the ultimate goal. He goes on to say, love is the passport with which man passes through all the heavenly doors without obstacle. Imagine heaven or the gates of paradise are like one door after the other after the other after the other imagine that saying basically your love the more you pray for love the more you pray for love by the holy spirit because human beings cannot love infinitely human beings cannot love unconditionally this can only be done by the holy spirit only by the holy spirit that's why i say if you're if you if i being evil, know how to give good gifts to my children, how much more will my Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So asking the Holy Spirit to give me this capacity of love is basically a renewal in every sense of the word. It's like, how can I love this way by the Holy Spirit? The Lord would not have imposed on us, and forgive me, Lord, for using the word imposed, but the Lord would not have announced to us the pinnacle the standard of the gospel by saying love your enemies bless those who curse you do good to those who hate you pray for those who spitefully use you he would not have said this to us had he not known in his foreknowledge being God that he would one day give us his Holy Spirit to be able to do these things I can't do these things I'm just a human being and we see things and we go through things but the Lord gives us a way which is this passport called love. Love is your passport. Gets you through all clearance, all security clearance, all the way into the gate. All the way through the gate. So the Lord says, I will give it to you. Ask for it. Pray for this. Seek this. If there's any division in the house, any division in the soul, any division in the team, any division in the partnership, any division of any sort, pray for more love. Continue to pray for love. Continue to pray for love. Because love, when when St. Paul writes, love never fails, this is the reality. There are many people who have come to Christ who were torturing people. And they came to Christ because of the love of the one being tortured. It brought them to Christ. They went from the the depths of darkness to light. Here's another thing St. John Chrysostom says. He says, have no concern for money. Again, so this is perhaps in the context of family unit, the husband and the wife. He says, have no concern for money. He goes on to say, love your wife more than you love your own life. Never be at odds, but be true. Notice how St. Paul said, stewards, faithful, be true. Prefer her company at home above being out. Esteem and admire her publicly and advise her patiently pray together go to church and discuss the readings and prayers so I mean think about how many times after the day after you know it's Sunday today you're going to go home later today when you have your you know afternoon dinner or lunch or coffee or tea or ice cream whatever you do on a Sunday afternoon this is a great opportunity to discuss what did we read at church today What did St. Paul tell us today? What was written in the book of Acts? What was a cynic about today? What was the gospel reading about today? What did the priest talk about today in the sermon? Not to critique how long or how short it was, or how boring or how whatever it was, but to see what was the message of the gospel today for the edification of the house. Look what he says next. If your marriage is like this, if you follow this road map, if your marriage is like this, or your relationship with God is like this, your perfection will rival the holiest of monks. You see that on the screen? If you can do this and follow this roadmap faithfully every single day, your perfection will rival the holiest of monks. Imagine monks in the desert who are struggling against scorpions and demons and all kinds of spiritual wickedness and striving to grow in asceticism and holiness just a family who lives this way rivals that. These are the words of a patriarch. And these are, these are true from generation to generation. You say, well, we have all kinds of home problems. Homes all over the church, all over the world are struggling. That's true. And there, there's a reason for that. The devil is fighting, especially the Christian home. I've told you the story before about that author, his name was Derek Derek Prince, he was saying how he was on a plane, and he was sitting down, and he ordered a vegetarian meal because he was fasting for Lent. I'm paraphrasing the story because it's been a while. And then he noticed the passenger next to him had also ordered a vegetarian meal. So to make conversation, to hopefully talk about Jesus, he asked, oh, so you're fasting? He said, yeah. He said, oh, me too. I'm fasting for Lent. So are you Christian as well? You're fasting for Lent? She goes, no. She what are you fasting for then if you're not Christian? What religion are you? She goes, I'm a satanic worshiper. I worship Satan. She said, oh, okay. She said, well, uh, why do you fast? Why are you fasting? She said, we fast, she said. We fast for the destruction of the Christian homes. She said it bluntly to him in his face like that, sitting on a plane. What does that remind you of? That shows that there is a a strong battle against, particularly the Christian home. So when you have people fasting and praying for your home's destruction, and when the church is fasting, the fast of the apostles, and we who are the Christians of the church don't fast, for example, Wednesday, Friday, apostles, and we look at fasting as a duty, as a problem, as an inconvenient discomfort, then obviously it's a no-brainer. Game over. That's what it's going to be. And yet there are homes who follow the gospel and say, they remember it rings true in their ears what the Lord Jesus said, this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. So there's a a lethal weapon against evil called prayer and fasting. Evil has used it against us. But if we begin to use it and practice it, it'll be game over for evil. And that's why St. Paul says the Romans do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We can actually rival the holiest of monks if we follow a particular direction and insist on following it, regardless of the difficulties, regardless of the struggles. Back to that example of, you know, people who buy a home or renovate. For example, now, I'm sure you've seen on the road those, you know, Acton and... Those concrete fixers, you know, you see them all over the place. And the guy, these guys coming in, can we, uh, can we uh, redo your pavement? You want some, uh, what, what is that, you know, tar and all that stuff. Or, oh, there's a crack on the side of your foundation. Very thin, but you know you should do something about it. Don't leave it like that. Don't wait till next spring because that crack is going to expand. And uh, during the winter, it's going to get water in it. And then you'll have water in your house. So people right away, what they do? They hire a company to come and close the crack. That's why when the Lord says the house divided against itself cannot stand, doesn't mean it, it, it falls tomorrow. Doesn't mean it falls Tuesday morning. He means over time, if left unattended, it will fall. That's why we have constant gifts, graces by the Holy Spirit to maintain, to improve, to constantly renovate our spiritual home Not just a house, but a spiritual home so that when the devil comes to hit, we hit back. The Lord promised, He promised us that we're kept by His power. He said, the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Then how are the gates of Hades prevailing in some of the problems of the world today? They are prevailing because we let them prevail. Plain and simple. If I let them prevail, they prevail. If I say no, they don't prevail, period. And this is a promise again by the Holy Spirit who says, I have given you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and upon all the power of the enemy. We are reminded by today's gospel that we are members of one another. We are members of one another, members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. We literally partake of his flesh and we drink of his blood mystically through the Eucharist. So we are reminded every time we do so that we are members of His body. We're members of His flesh. Which means if we're members of His flesh, we're members of one another. And we have to protect every part of that from the inside of me personally to my family and, and, and my church and so on and so forth. And the promise is the gates of Hades will not prevail. St. Paul tells us if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. We often put the blame on someone else. Like I just said, "Oh, you know, they're praying and fasting against us. I should judge myself and saying, "Am I praying? Am I fasting? Am I taking this battle seriously? Like they say, we cannot fight a full-time devil being part-time Christians. It Doesn't work. You have a full-time devil. Part-time Christian can't beat that. But a full-time Christian in Christ by the Holy Spirit can definitely fight that and overcome. St. Paul says, we are more than conquerors, not just conquerors, not just kind of like, you know, putting, p- putting up a good fight. No. He says, we are more than conquerors through Him who loves us. It's because we are loved that we can do these things. The world out there tells us all kinds of difficult things and we think oh my goodness the world is coming to an end not yet it is coming to an end yes there is a second coming and a final coming of our savior but it's not right now it's coming i don't know when maybe you do but i don't know he said no one knows but in the meantime what am i doing either to hasten that coming or to prepare for the battle we all go through battles, don't we The world is not constantly, our life is not constantly stable and smooth. Everyone here has their share of battles. What are we doing about it? What are we doing about it? If I can judge myself say, Lord, help me. Lord, forgive me. Just like that poor tax collector who stood behind the Pharisee who was praising himself in front of God. The tax collector said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's all he said. He beat his chest and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The Lord said, he, the tax collector, went away justified more than the other. The justification was there. So let's think about this and say, Lord, you've promised and you said, when we do anything to the least of our brothers or sisters, we do it to you directly. So let's consider that. How am I treating myself? How am I treating my spouse? How am I treating my children? How am I treating my fellow brothers and sisters, the Christians? How am I treating my neighbors? How am I treating the non-believers? How am I treating everyone out there? Because you said, least or most, we're doing it to you. To enable us, Lord, to do what's right before your eyes. Allow me to leave you with a last or one or two more slides just to look at this. Do you see this? I found this online and I I like the concept there's a lot to explain about it but there's no time for it now so maybe another time but you see he put a kind of like a picture of a house and he gives you how the foundation is built the foundation is built on scriptural truth the Word of God it's built on unconditional love and forgiveness which can again only happen by and through the Holy Spirit then there are pillars Loving admonition. So exhorting one another in the love of Christ, not in a battle against one. We're not against each other. You don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual hosts of weakness in the heavenly places. Then another pillar is time and nurture. Asking God, help us to spend quality time with you, in you. And the the summit of the house is the authority of the Bible, the authority of God. This is kind of like, you know, For example, a marriage. It's a threefold cord, like it says in Ecclesiastes. God who unites the husband and the wife. He's the one who unites them. And the stronger their connection to Him, the greater their connection to each other. But He has to remain the authority. And whatever He says goes. If He says, husbands, love your wives, Jesus Christ loved the church and gave Himself for her, He has to do it blindly, unconditionally, regardless of what His wife does. Wife, submit your husbands as to the Lord. She has to do it, regardless of what what he does. And what is this submission? He says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Also in St. Paul's letters. Just like the head, because the brain is up here and the heart is down here, doesn't mean that the brain is more important than the heart. They are fully dependent on each other. They are submitting to one another. The heart is relying on the brain to keep beating properly. And the brain is fully relying on the blood to keep it thinking and and breathing for you. So, the summit is the biblical authority. So, scriptural truth, when St. Paul tells us this, that's what it means. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. Let it dwell in you richly. The house... The family that prays together, that reads the Bible together, that prays together. One of the greatest indicators is how faithful I am to the Eucharist, prayer, and reading the Scripture with my family. We either stay together because of it, or we divide. One of, this is a very clear indicator. When there's cracks, it's because something is left unattended. Prayer has been neglected. Repentance and confession has been forgotten. Fasting is an inconvenient far thing. The Bible is c- gathering dust. Communion is once in a while. Arriving to church is later. All these things are little cracks. And when left unattended, the house has falls apart and is divided against itself. So Joshua, to leave you with the final verse to think about and pray about with me during liturgy, pray with me today for every home you know, every marriage you know about. Marriage that is 1 year old, 5 year old, 10, 50 years old. They can all fall if left unattended. Let's pray all together for every family. Not to think about what's going on in people's homes, but to pray for the body of Christ to be steadfast and strong. Joshua gave a choice to the people of Israel at the time. He says, you choose what you're going to do. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. The tree is going to be known by its fruit. It can't be both. He says, ask for me, you do what you want, but ask for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. Make a determined choice and trust that God is working with you and you will see wonders as you hold on to his truths and go to be to God forever and ever. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart.